we are going to go ahead and, and, and transition into our time in the Word. And so this morning here, we're going to be in Galatians 5, verses 17 um, through 24. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, I'm going to start here by reading the passage, just part of it, and then we'll work through the whole passage as we, as we continue uh, to walk through our message this morning. And so I want to start with verse 17 through 19, as it says, and it's up there as well. There's Bibles in front of you. Um, you can utilize that. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Would you join me in prayer here before we dive into the Word? Father, we thank you for your goodness. Holy Spirit, we thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are in every heart, in every person here that is trusted in you. And that you are here now in the gathering of your church and in the fellowship of your church. Lord, as we, as we uh, get ready here to receive your word, I pray for soft hearts and open ears and renewed minds. God, even as we're talking about the spirit versus the flesh and how we are to choose to walk in the spirit rather than the flesh. Lord, as I stand up here, it's easy to stand up here and speak or share the message and even do that in the flesh. Looking to my own strength, looking for approval, maybe in some ways desiring to sound eloquent or to be understood. God, in keeping step even with our message this morning, I say, Holy Spirit, come and lead. Come and have your way. Father, I desire not to speak in the flesh and so as to mislead your people, but rather let there be purity in the word by your Holy Spirit and let your spirit be the one who speaks and declares truth this morning. Because when you speak it and you declare it, then it is truly transformative, then it is truly life. Thank you for meeting us now. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. How many of y'all know that you are? You can go to the next slide. The flesh versus spirit slide there. Thank you. Great. How many of you know that there is a war happening within you? Right? As believers, on a daily basis, and this is evident in the decisions that we go about making, right? And the, and, the, and the actions that come from those decisions as well. I'm sure this morning for some of you there might have been some wrestling just to even get here, but you decided to get here and you're here now, right? And so whatever it is in our decision-making process that leads to the actions we take, we are either making those decisions and living out those actions in accordance with the Spirit or in accordance with the flesh. Right? There is no in-between. It's one or the other. We are either walking and being led by the Spirit, or we are giving into our flesh, our own desires, our own wants. 
And so this morning, that is the question. As you consider your life, as you consider daily decisions and daily actions, how you live daily or even in the long term, whatever it is, are you being led in these processes and these ways by the Spirit or are you being led by your flesh? That's in nature. And so to really help us understand this and get a picture of it, I'm going to be using a story from the Old Testament as an illustration. And some of you may be familiar with this story. Some of you may not be so familiar with this story, and that is the story of Esther. Okay? And so Esther is a historical story. It's factual. It actually happened. These things took place. Right? But then there's also, right, and there's meaning to the things that happened within the story and how it played out. But even deep within the story, there's an allegorical way in which we can interpret the story that really helps us understand, right, the, what these different characters represent and what that actually looks like in our lives. And so first and foremost, I'm going to do a quick overview of the historical story, and then we'll get here to what those characters represent and what that looks like as we consider the spirit versus the flesh. So the story of Esther goes like this. And so you got King Ashuerus, or in other translations, Xerxes. He's the Persian king, probably one of the most powerful men in that time, ruling over 127 provinces, the scriptures say. All right? And so he is in his kingdom. He's ruling. He's doing his thing, right? Inviting people, making sure he's showing that he's powerful, inviting others to align with him. Um, And within his kingdom, you know, he's got some different things happening. He wanted to show off his queen, his trophy wife. She said, no, that's not happening. He said, all right, the queen got removed, so then he's looking for a new queen. And so Esther comes into the picture. She becomes queen. Esther is a young woman of Jewish descent. She's raised up by her cousin, Mordecai, right? And so she ends up being in the palace. She ends up now being the queen married to the king. And within the palace, the king has his advisors, those who are helping him to essentially rule the kingdom, those who are counseling, advising him. And there was one man in the king's advisors that stood out above all the other advisors. This is the man by the name of Haman, or Haman, or whatever, however you want to, that guy, right? (laughs) So he was the king's uh, greatest advisor, closest counselor, right? He had the ear of the king. Um, He was uh, essentially what what he decided what, what, what happened. The king trusted him. He was in close, close connection with the king. But what happens is, and so because of that relationship, because of how the king exalted him, Haman expected everyone in the kingdom to bow down to him and worship him. But there was one who would not bow down and worship him. Out of everybody. That is Mordecai. Mordecai would not bow down and worship Haman. And this enraged Haman, right? He says, I'm deserving deserving of that worship. I'm deserving to be bowed down to. How dare you? And so he sets out to kill Mordecai. And not just Mordecai. He finds out Mordecai is a Jew. So then he decides to take that even further. We're going to kill all the Jews. And so what Haman does, he goes back because he's so trusted by the king. He goes and talks to the king and actually... More than he manipulates the king's thoughts and minds by saying, hey, there's a group of people that are a threat to you. 
which is not actually reality. The Jewish people were great kingdom people at that time, even under Xerxes' rule. And so he's like, because they are a threat to you, you need to make into law that they be annihilated, they be wiped out. The king wasn't aware that his new queen was Jewish. He wasn't aware of all these things that were coming on. But how Haman presented it is that, hey, this is for your self-preservation. This is so that you can last as king. But obviously, Haman was manipulating the situation. and He was only pursuing his own goals, his own desires, his own needs. And so the king does give him his ring, his signet ring, which is the control and the power and the authority of the king. He gives it over to Haman, and Haman goes ahead and puts into law this law that on a certain day, I think it's run around Purim, pretty close to Christmas, whatever it is, that all the Jews would be killed. Men, women, children, all annihilated. Mordecai finds out, right? He lets Esther know. And so Mordecai, together with Esther, come up with a plan to be able to come before the king and really expose what Haman truly is and what Haman is truly up to. But it was not an easy thing to come before the king. Matter of fact, there was a law that if you become come before the king, you would forfeit your life. You would be killed and die. And Esther knew this. Even as the queen, she couldn't just approach the king without being invited. But ultimately, through prayer, through conversations with Mordecai and counsel, she approaches the king at risk to her life, meaning she was okay dying, even if that meant that she would be able to save the Jewish people and expose Haman. And she does step before the king. She's received. Haman is exposed by both Mordecai and Esther, and Haman is put to death. And then Mordecai, who's been outside the kingdom this whole time, outside the palace, not having access to the king, but having that relationship with Esther, then is brought into the palace in the place of Haman. And now he is able to help the king rule the kingdom with his purposes. And Mordecai's purpose was always about bringing life and good. And so then the king entrusts Mordecai with his signet ring, again, with that control and power like Haman has. Now Mordecai has it. And he was able to... Now, the law that had been put into the place to kill the Jews could not be revoked. That's the power of what happens when the king put things into place. But he could rewrite a new law and a new thing that can happen. And so with the help of Mordecai, with the counsel of Mordecai, this new law is put into the place for the Jewish people to stand up and defend themselves and thereby be saved. And so then the people of God are delivered, and then Mordecai continued to be the king advisors and counsel, and there's peace and prosperity in the land. So this is just kind of a quick overview of Esther. If you never read it, powerful story. I encourage you to go read it. But now let's look at kind of some of the things. What do these characters represent as we look at an allegorical, um, allegorical interpretation of this story to help us understand flesh? versus spirit, right? So we started with the king. The king represents the human soul. The king represents the human soul, meaning the seat of your emotions, right? And decision-making, the processing takes place within the soul, which determines your will, right? Which then leads to action. And so, and that action happens within the body, the kingdom represents the body, right? The behavior and the actions that happen 
from some of those decisions and some of those processings that take place. And so for the king, as he wrote that law, whatever he decides, whatever he puts in place, whatever happens in the soul, right, goes and impacts our body, the actions that take place, the behaviors that we live out. But the king, or the soul, we should say, right, has made himself, has given himself and access to himself to this man, Haman. Haman represents the flesh. What are we talking about when we say the flesh? The flesh is the self rooted in the first sin, right? That sin nature that desires self-preservation, self-exalting. I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm about my glory. I'm about what I want and not what God wants. That is the self. That is the flesh. Did we not see that as we talked about the story within Haman? In Galatians, and as we go further, then in Galatians, uh, the rest of 19 through 21, Paul describes for us what are the deeds of the flesh? What comes out of the flesh when we live by the flesh? What does the flesh desire? Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom. And so this is the heart of the flesh. This is what the flesh seeks after. And that is in us, right? And that is in us. And that's all we live by when we don't know God and don't have the relationship of God. And the Holy Spirit is, does not have control of us. When, we ha- when it is the flesh that has control of us. When Haman is the one in whom we trust and give our thoughts and minds and wills to. Then we live by that. So, the flesh is within the kingdom. The flesh is the one who has control and advice of the soul. But then Mordecai represents the Holy Spirit. And in our story, especially at the beginning, Mordecai is outside of the palace. He has no access to the king. Haman does, Mordecai doesn't. The flesh does, the spirit doesn't. And it is the spirit that resists the flesh, right? As we saw there, Like the king did not know. The soul is unaware of the acts of the flesh. Neither is the spirit, which we talked about, the human spirit, that is, with Esther, as we talk about later. But it takes the one who's outside of the castle, the Holy Spirit, represented by Mordecai, to expose what is actually happening internally. Right? And because the flesh is against the spirit, and they're warring against each other, That's why Haman sought to kill Mordecai. He sought to destroy and remove the flesh. And in the same way, the spirit is the one who's able to deal with the flesh. We can't deal with it on our own. Because what we saw the Holy Spirit do, in the end, the spirit that is Mordecai was the one exposed the flesh, led to putting the flesh to the death, and then also 
led the body, the kingdom, to truly prosper, empowering the people to rise up against any continued acts that would be in the flesh. Esther, of course, who's the main character, represents the human spirit. She, from the beginning, had, uh, Mordecai had access to her. And she was open to him, leading and guiding her and pressing her on towards truly what she is called to, right? Saying things, who knows? Maybe you've been called for such a time as this. He's the one who encourages and challenges her to even at risk to her life, step up before the king. Right? Is it difficult to follow the Holy Spirit sometimes, you guys? Yeah, it is. There will be many times where there will be much ask of us, even challenging things that may very much so cost us our very lives. But if we were to heed that, if we were to press on, then we see what comes of, what comes of it truly, right? The freedom of an entire people, the freedom of the king, the freedom of the soul even. And so Mordecai exposes the flesh. The Holy Spirit exposes the flesh. There's really only one thing that can be done with the flesh. And that is death. The flesh's got to die. It's got to be killed. That's what Jesus does. Okay? We can't listen. This is what's happening in the world. This is what we see in the world if we truly understand that. Right? The world has some understanding of the flesh. Right? Some understanding of itself that there are struggles within the flesh. But how does the world look to fix it? Self-improvement, behavior change. But these things cannot deal with the flesh, right? It can be good, it can look good, but it's not truly being made free in the spirit. It's still in the flesh. Only one thing is to be done with the flesh. We've got to crucify our flesh. The flesh has got to die daily so that the spirit is taking place, and it's the one who has control of us. And when the Spirit has control, just like Mordecai had control of the kingdom, of the body, as well as the soul, there was peace and prosperity in the kingdom. The, the end of Galatians 22 through 24 says what? Um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with his passions and his, and his desires. Right? This is what the Spirit produces. We saw what the flesh produces when we live according to the flesh, and then in vice versa, this is what the Spirit produces. When we're walking by the Spirit, you guys, there is no self in what the Spirit produces. If we see all the fruit of the Spirit, it's all relational. It's all relational. It's about what I'm given to others and what I can receive in myself from others as well. This is what the Spirit does. For you this morning, does the Spirit have access to your soul? Does the Spirit have control of your mind and will and, and emotions as well and thereby determining your actions, where you go, what you do, what actually happens, what actually takes place? You know, for some of you students in here, as we're talking about Youth Sunday this morning, this might look like in pursuit of some type of relationship. 
Are you allowing, is the spirit the one leading in that? Or will you be led by your flesh in that? Right? There's got to be some wrestling. Even with things like your extracurricular activities, whether it's band or sports or whatever it is, do we actually take time to examine that we are being led in the spirit and even pursuing those things? How about future areas of study or what college I attend? Do we invite the Holy Spirit to be part of that process and leading and guiding and, and pressing us into that? Or do we choose it by ourselves? If he is not leading, right, where the Spirit is not leading, the flesh leads. Again, there's no, it's, it's one or the other. I remember thinking back, kind of reflecting on my own journey as I um, pursued school and going to Mankato, Minnesota State, Mankato, studying human biology, seeking to go be um, a doctor and recognizing, even choosing what I studied. When I reflect back on that, I think there was so much of that that was truly more in the flesh about myself and what I desired or even about from the expectations of others and what others wanted. Don't know that I truly ever took the time to process and, and work through that um, with God. But then on the opposite side of that, right, choosing not to go to med school after Mankato, I truly believe that that was decided in the spirit. As hard as that was, there was a lot of surrender. There was a lot of prayer that went into that. Um, even in walking in that, and, 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 and even through that, there was peace as well, right? The spirit brings peace in that. In the place of conviction, there's peace when we are walking in step with the Spirit, when we choose the Spirit to lead us. For others of you who are not students, um, again, whether it's in relational things, whether it's in careers, whether it's in hobbies, whether it's in, is, does the Spirit lead or is it your flesh? And so whether we're looking at the long term or the short term. I know as parents right? There's the struggle is real every day. Uh, even yesterday, kind of looking back, it was kind of a longer, hard, harder day for us in some sense with, with the kiddos. And there were many moments. I think I like what Vadi Bakum says. He says, you know, he makes them little so they don't kill you, right? He makes them cute so you don't kill them. Because <laughs> there are those moments, and it is so real. Like yesterday, I know there were moments where in the flesh, like I was frustrated and had outbursts of anger, like it was there. But then there were also moments where I can take a moment to be like, oh, Lord, give me self-control in this moment and how I engage with my son Malachi and how I'm loving Miriam. Give me self-control. This is of the spirit. I don't want to choose the flesh. I don't want to just remain in my frustration and my anger that may even lead to something worse in that. It's right there. As we as believers, we have the Holy Spirit where we have a choice now, right? We can choose to be led by the Spirit or we can choose to be led by the flesh. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, thereby not having the Holy Spirit, then it's just the flesh. It's just the flesh. That's all that there is. You will just live for yourself. Every decision, even good things, right? Even seemingly good things, they're still in the flesh. As Christians, we can, I can stand up here and preach in the flesh and not in the Spirit, that's a real thing. Got to be humble about that. And if I am, we got to repent and confess. I can pursue missions as Karen and I are trying to go to Kenya in the flesh and not in the spirit. I can sing on a choir. I can read the Bible. I can pray. I can serve. 
I can do all these things, and yet it still not be by the Spirit of God or for the Spirit of God or for the glory of God, but for the glory of me. Right? For the glory of me. And so, as believers, we got to choose daily, in every moment, as well as in the long term, to be led by the Spirit of God who's in us. Because of Jesus' death and the resurrection, we have those Holy Spirit in us who empowers us, gives us power over the flesh. Gives us power over our selfish tendencies. But we, what we tend to do is choose the flesh, isn't it, don't we? Rather than the Spirit, although He's there to empower, strengthen us, and lead us um, in life-giving ways. And if you're here and you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit or the influence of the Holy Spirit in your decisions and your actions, what are you waiting for? Put your trust in Jesus today. That's all it really is. Put your trust in Jesus today. Believe that He died on the cross for your sin in your place that He would give you His Holy Spirit as a gift. There's no strings attached to that. He paid the price. And then the Holy Spirit can be in you and give you life. Give you life. Give you power over the flesh. Who will you give control? Who will you give control? Will Haman, the flesh, have control over you? Or will Mordecai, the Holy Spirit, have control over you? I hope that in each day, even in the long term, we would choose to walk in the Spirit. That's where real, true life is for us, you guys. That's where that joy is for us. That's where that freedom is for us. That's where that peace is for us. I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come on up here as we get ready to close. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for your goodness. Jesus, I thank you that we, that you give us your Holy Spirit. That we don't have to choose self. We can choose the things of God, even when it's difficult, even when it's challenging. Lord, even as you talked about in your word and even in your own teaching and leading, Lord, you also demonstrated those words. And so as we spoke truth again about just the the, the spirit being against the flesh, God, would you demonstrate that and truly bring freedom uh, to, to many here who are wrestling with that? And I should say to each of us who's wrestling with that, we are all wrestling with that, God. Choosing you, choosing your spirit over our own self is still there, God. And for those who have not trusted in you, Jesus, we pray for their freedom right now. Would you demonstrate your word, God, and bring conviction of sin, conviction of the works of the flesh? Would you expose the flesh right now for each of us? That we would confess and truly repent. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in hearts in this place. Thank you for what you're doing in your people. Thank you for bringing people to maturity by your Holy Spirit. That they would walk, because of coming to maturity, walk more in the Spirit than they would in the flesh. That they can deny the flesh and crucify the flesh and reject the works of the flesh. To the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.